Listening to the Noise Canceling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Before we jump into the pod, I wanted to tell you about a documentary that I watched recently, and it completely changed my opinion of spiders, or more specifically, tarantulas. I know what you're thinking, gross, Frank. But I'll be honest, it's more than just a documentary. It's a work of stop-motion art, it's comedy, and it's the kind of general weirdness that I really enjoy. It's called Spiders Will Eat Your Face. That's right, spiders will eat your face. And it dives deep into the history of pet tarantulas and the many misconceptions that they've brought with them. It's now available on Amazon Prime, Instant Watch, and Amazon.com. If you forgot, it's Spiders Will Eat Your Face, the documentary about the history of pet tarantulas in America. One more time, that spiders will eat your face. The movie on Amazon. All right, and welcome back, everyone. This is episode 34. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We are very happy to have you back. I know it's been a couple weeks, but we're, we're excited to keep rolling uh, through the summer. Has it been hot in Washington? Oh, you're not even in Washington. Where are you now? Uh, I'm up near Trenton, and it is hot. It's People have, were traveling up from the south, uh, this last week and they mentioned that they thought they'd be leaving the hot humid weather but I guess they brought it with them so yeah up here in uh in central New Jersey it's been hot and humid yeah Nashville has been ridiculous I got in the car yesterday and the temperature gauge read 102 so I thought well that's not my favorite <laughs> dang <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this before but my problem is when I was in D.C. I never really drove my truck around or if I did it was for very short periods and so because I just used uh, took the metro around so when I just now I have to commute into work and I guess I didn't notice that my air conditioning was getting weaker and weaker and so <laughs> it's basically just a vent at this point there's no AC and uh, that's one of my top priorities getting my truck in to get the AC service but right now I'm rolling around with the windows down that's an issue for me. That would uh, that would not fly at it, all. It's but, pretty wow. rough. <laughs> Nothing like rolling into work just already covered in sweat. No one wants to ride with me. Like if we if we're going somewhere <laughs> as a group, I mentioned I have no AC, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> sorry, sir, it's, we'll we'll take our own car." <laughs> I mean, that seems like I I don't know if I've ridden in a car without AC since my my grandpa drove me about 14 <laughs> hours in his van about 20 years ago <laughs> that's hilarious so this episode is on successful transitions or more or less transitions in general because we'll talk about some of ours that were were less than successful what what were your initial thoughts when i when i brought up this topic well so when i started kind of putting together what i would think my three keys to transit two transitions or change the first thing that came to mind is the, the book who moved my cheese have you read that mm -hmm. one I think I've seen some excerpts of it for sure, but why don't you just remind everybody what that's about? So it's basically about these two mice and uh, and they're sitting there and they have this kind of 
decent sized uh, stockpile of cheese and they're in this maze. And so the one mouse is like just sitting there eating the cheese uh, pretty lethargically. And the other mouse like wakes up in the morning and goes out and kind of like systematically is searching for uh, trying to find different set of, of new cheese. And so the it kind of goes to the story of how the guy like is making fun of the one that's going out every day searching for new cheese. And then slowly, slowly the cheese pile goes down and down. And then uh, finally like the, the mouse that's searching for cheese finds this, this stockpile of cheese that's probably like five times as big as the other one. And then I guess it's kind of uh, morbid that the one mouse just leaves the other one there. Maybe, oh no, then the mouse comes back and says, hey, I found this new big thing of cheese and the the uh the mouse is just sitting there next to the other one is too resistant to change says i like i i'm happy here i don't want to move and so that mouse just sits there and then eats through its cheese and then it's hungry and can't find any new cheese basically it's about uh preparing yourself for change yeah no i mean i think that it's a good allegory for how people get settled into routines um I think for us as two people that have moved around a lot and changed offices, that's not, we really can't operate like that. Do you feel like you've ever been in a, in a situation? I know, you know, earlier in your career, you were in some positions for three or four years. Did you ever feel that where you're getting very resistant to change in wherever you were at? I don't know. I think that I'm in general, I don't think I'm maybe, maybe this is not true, but I think I'm fairly, uh, accepting of change I'm, I'm sure there are areas in my life where uh, i'm not but i can't think of any at the moment hmm. yeah i think in general i'm i'm fairly malleable but i think sometimes it takes me a little bit to process and get there like if somebody doesn't necessarily explain why they're doing the change or you know if it actually makes any sense i may may give a little mental pushback at least yeah i found i thought of an area I, I probably was resistant to changing my ideas about uh, yoga and weightlifting and some exercise things. So I acknowledge that in some areas I'm hard-headed. Interesting. Would you call that change? I mean, is changing an idea the same as changing behavior? Hmm. I think they're related. I don't know. Just in term, just in terms of how you work through that mental change and behavioral change at the same time? Yeah, I think it's all about... Uh, being willing to look at things from a different perspective. Interesting. Because I think for me, it's a little bit like introversion, extroversion, where, you know, in a social setting, I may be more of an extrovert than, well, actually probably the other way around. In a social setting, I may be more of an introvert. And in a professional setting, I may be more of an extrovert. Mm -hmm. And with change, I think is is somewhat similar in a professional setting, I would say, um I'm, I'm fairly malleable and there, there are things in, in personal life that I can think of where it takes me a while to get okay with the change and, and to, to work through that. I think people would probably say that in a professional environment, I, uh, push change or I'm always looking for where to change. And I think in some cases, uh, I have to be careful about pushing change for change's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there is a there is an element of of keeping to the fundamentals and not changing everything all the time. Sure. And and so I mean I guess we can just jump into all your keys okay. right off the bat. Um All right, so your second Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Go first ahead. so the first one uh be prepared and accept change when it comes or be uh know that it, know that change is coming and then 
don't it shouldn't surprise you when it does, I guess. And so the next one, once once you're in the transition, I think the first two most important things are explore and then listen to new people. So uh, listening, I think, is is important when you're in a new environment. Uh, rather than kind of tell people how you think you see it, I think it's important to listen and try to understand the challenges that individuals there are facing, kind of some of the history. Sure. And, and just taking one step back, I guess I want to want to preface this whole discussion slightly. This is this is mainly focused on professional transitions. I think, you know, you can we can get into relational transitions and, and many other types of transitions uh, in, in further episodes. But this for me, at least, was really focused on, you know, you're switching jobs, you're switching offices, you're switching leaders, um, you're getting promoted, you're moving laterally in the same organization. That was really how I was was focusing in on it. Okay, I think I was thinking about that way too, but I think this is also true a little bit. Like if you're moving cities, uh, a lot of this is applicable. Yeah, and so the heart of your second one is really, really what? Just stepping back? Be curious. So I, I, I wrote down explore and listen. So uh, it's sometimes easy to just get, get uh, like sit where you are and not go out and find out new things. So I think it's important to be curious. And then when you, when you are curious to do more listening than talking so you can understand your mm. new environment. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great relationship to tool too, right? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both with significant others and, and just meeting new friends is, yeah. uh, sitting back and listening. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, when I look at where I've been most successful in, in moves and offices is when I really have gone just out of my desk or out of my cubicle and, and gone and met people and learned about their jobs and what they do and what they're, what they're passionate about on, on a personal level as well. I was just going to mention that one of my favorite things. So I just started a new office and one of the coolest things is learning all this, the diverse backgrounds of the people in my office. Uh, they're from all over the place with a bunch of interesting past life experiences so uh, that's maybe the the most fun piece i've had in moving into my new job that's awesome yeah i mean the air force is a cool place because everyone has kind of been all over the place in general and they all have (laughs) very interesting stories especially in in contracting i'm sure they they can share a lot of funny stories with you yeah absolutely and so what's your what's your third one all right so my third one I wrote down is don't forget fundamentals. So I think I'm still working on this. There are certain things that I like to do every day or every week. So, and that's meditate, journal, workout, probably getting uh, a good strategy for eating healthy. And I think sometimes when you, when you make a big change, some of those may drop off for a while as you're trying to focus on getting settled. And I think it's important to, to make sure you go back to those uh, fundamental things that help you stay healthy uh, and mentally fit and don't uh, don't forget those things yeah for sure how do you think that relates to like the office in general so I think let's see if you have a, a certain way of dealing with email or dealing of, of like a routine of um, how you handle work I think sometimes when you first get in uh, you may be inundated with training and, and all these appointments and things like that. So I think as quickly as possible, uh, like let's say you regularly meet with the people that report to you. Well, when you first get there, 
it may just be absolutely crazy and so you can't kind of fit that in and then you if you don't kind of return to that fundamental um, process then like you may forget about it when when the craziness of the initial change gets done with make sure you return to the fundamental things that are, are important to you yeah absolutely do you think do you think understanding the current office fundamentals so i mean when you move into a new office they're doing very different different activities and projects and what your previous offices do you think there's there's a timeline for kind of learning how they do like their most fundamental tasks yeah before you before you can really jump in well so i think that's where what i mentioned on my on the number two key was explore and listen so that's where you're going to learn what the kind of the fundamental things that how the office works and then you've got to try to figure out how you can uh if if your fundamentals are important or like the processes that you think are important how you kind of integrate those into the into the new culture and new environment i see and we've talked about this next part a little bit on on leadership part one and part two but you know how do you balance current current state versus you know where you see as the optimal state in terms of change you know where timeline wise when do you start making changes how large a changes do you want to start off with um you know you've kind of talked about both sides of that equation where sometimes it's effective to make larger scale changes at the beginning to really you know set the mood right and and kind of you know set a baseline and sometimes it's better to you know slowly work your way through where you want to get to can you just talk about you know timeline and kind of your own thought process for getting to to new changes yeah i think so some people have the the kind of theory that they don't change anything for 30 days or maybe 60 days or 90 days i think it you have to listen and understand what's going on like you can't make a change before you feel like you have a good understanding of why that process was in place to begin with and so i think once you studied the why of a certain process that you want to change and you've and you understand the why then you're prepared and in a position to make change if you think it's possible sometimes you're going to dig in and and find out the why and you're going to realize that that's not a good process to change that's therefore a good reason so i think the the timeline for making change is number one you have to fully understand why that process was put in place to begin with and how would you kind of explore that why How, how would you get to the true true rationale and reason behind why it's done the way that it's done so i think you just got to ask around it's interesting to ask both people at the at multiple levels in the organization so you can get a good perspective and that will also help you understand uh, maybe how good the communication is in the organization it's interesting if you ask someone at one level and they have a reason that someone at a different level has a completely different idea about why a certain thing is in place so uh, i think you got to ask people from my perspective i also think it's a good way to to learn the knowledge base and maybe what's either lacking or or what's outstanding in the organization if you can if you can find that the workers across the board or the managers across the board understand their processes and and the rationale behind it and you know why one thing flows into the next i mean you can you can see where there is proficiency or you can see where there's just been a a lack of training and it's just 
this process has been done this way forever and and no one has ever actually questioned it right i I think it's important to you've got to spend some time with your folks understanding uh their thought processes and kind of uh, how they think about that process because if you if you have not done that then they are not then they probably won't trust you if you try to institute a change they're going to feel like they need to feel like you've spent time understanding them before you implement it. Otherwise, you're more likely to get resistance. And along with the why, how much how much effort um, do you put into thinking about unintended consequences? <laughs> Hopefully a fair amount. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know. Obviously, you don't always know what you don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an unintended consequences to everything. But do you... Do you feel like that's part of the decision criteria, your decision matrix thinking about, you know, how does this flow downstream? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I have a, I don't want to say like a checklist for decision making, but that's probably something that maybe I could do a better job at is take a couple extra, I don't want to say moments, but some extra time to think about what's the impact of this. That's a good point. One thing that I've seen just in some of the groups I've been in, in terms of process planning or process improvement, people who are resistant to change are actually the best identifiers of unintended consequences. Right. Because, because a lot of times when, when there's pushback or, you know, what you might view as a negative response, it's actually really helpful feedback on, on something that you might not have thought about. Um, and a lot of times it's super, it's really annoying to kind of meet these negative personalities that just want to push back on change. But I have had a few circumstances where I'm like, oh, we actually hadn't considered that impact on, on another process. I So I look at that as they're the people that value tradition and value, like there's a, something to be said for tradition that's important. And so the, those are the people I want to bring along when I'm trying to explain why we're doing something. I want to listen to their um, objections, I guess, so that I can figure out how I'm going to communicate to everyone why we're doing it. Uh, so I think they're ve- those people are very helpful, and if you ignore them, you probably will be in trouble. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. So instead of just three keys on on mine, I kind of just walked through a five step process, I guess. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so a little bit different different take on it, but so my five are train, listen, learn, question, change. So you know when you first join a new job or a new um, company, or even within the same company you've taken a new position, the first thing you really need to know is just that position in general. Somebody will hopefully train you, will hopefully have some materials, or will have the expertise to at least communicate to you what. Um, what's going on. What's interesting is, you know, in the military, I feel like most of the time you get to a new job, you're going to have some sort of a checklist. You're going to have a chance to sit down with either a supervisor or the person you're taking over for um, and really get a good handoff. Let's start off with that from your perspective, Axel. How how well do you think the Air Force does with that? Um, And what's been your experience just in terms of training new people? I think the Air Force tries to do that. So usually you're going to have a sponsor that is assigned to kind of help you get settled. Uh, in terms of when you get to the workplace, I think we are, it really depends on the organization, but 
you're going to have kind of like a little in-processing checklist that tells you who, the people you're supposed to visit. But I'm not sure we're great at having a guide that writes, that has down like the local, uh, not policies, but like the local processes and mm-hmm. culture. Uh, yeah. And like when you look at a lot of these tech companies, they'll have what they call a playbook. And so the playbook is everyone contributes to it. And it's basically like the, the well, like that's why I said the processes, culture, how you do certain things. And I think that isn't always there. It's kind of like, oh, you just got to learn when you get here. And I'm not sure that we do a great job of giving people documentation that explains the culture and the processes. Sure. No, I mean, I think that's that's pretty accurate and level with my experience. It, it definitely depends a lot. I mean, I, def- I had some good transitions where, you know, the the my supervisors in my new offices had very specific checklists, gave me good examples, showed me previous projects that the person I was taking over for had been doing uh, and really, really walked me through and spun me up quickly. Um, conversely, I've had some experience where I kind of got in and they were just like, hey, here's your list of contracts. Right. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Uh, um, I, which so, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, so one thing as we're talking about this, when you're going to a new position, and that those things aren't present, I think the best thing you can do for your organization is to write down the things that you didn't learn or that you had to learn, uh, I guess, through frustration and trial. And, uh, and then that way the next person, the next person has something for them. Yeah. I mean, I think improving that situation for the next person is, is an awesome way to do it, especially I think what you're saying is like doing that as you're transitioning. So you remember all those things right. that were frustrating. Like yeah. I, I need to do, I need to make notes for myself, uh, very soon. Otherwise I'm going to forget the, uh, some of the things that I didn't think when I was coming in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's great. And I think that can even lead to, you know, as you become accustomed to the organization and how change is made, you know, even if you're not in a leadership position to bring those up to, your supervisors, hey, hey, it doesn't seem like this process is completely, completely vetted or structured the same across all of our teams. You know, can we can we standardize this? You know, based on these rationale. I mean, I think there's it, there's a lot of ways that every organization can improve, and I think the people who are just joining see those weaknesses much more clearly than if you've been in been in there for a year, or two years, or five years. Oh yeah, absolutely. So second step is, is just listen. So I think, you know, in your, your staff meetings in um, you know, your negotiations, just kind of sitting back and, and watching a little bit, I think not always, you can't always have that much time. Um, so I think like my next two listen and learn, um, you know, it kind of depends on, you know, if you're just in a scenario where they're like, here's your, here's your list of projects, go do it. You don't know, you can't really just sit back and listen because you, you need to go out and, and perform. But, you know, when you do have the opportunity to, you know, you're either with the person you're taking over with or, you know, if somebody's leading you through how to do things, you know, really taking the time and, and seeing what is happening and, and how things are done well within the organization is key. Yeah. And then I think by learning, I mean, just starting to have some level of mastery of what you're doing really within the process of completing your task, 
seeing what's important and like what you were saying, writing down those things that you wish that you had and, and the things that you wish were a little bit different right when you had it from the go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think my number four question is, is similar to what we were talking about with understanding the why. It's just really going around and asking people, you know, why do you do it like this? Why do you do it like that? You know, if there's a difference between two teams or two people on the same team, you know, understanding their rationale and, you know, why it may work for them or why a different way to do it works better for your other coworker. Because I've had that in so many different offices where, you know, you may even have standard processes, but people on the same team are doing things completely different just because of how it works for them or works for their products. Yeah. And I think, you know, asking, like you said, a number of people in, in different positions and um, different project areas can make such a huge difference for kind of seeing the full picture before you would ever propose change or implement a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This- I like the listen, learn question. I think that's kind of a good, I only had listened, but I think thinking about it in those different phases. And I don't think it's, you can have these like that. I almost think of it like almost as a little circle, but like those can happen multiple different times on different issues that you face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you may not be able to learn what you're doing for a year. Like in some of the, some of your projects that may go on for a couple years, you may not even do that certain activity for you know, 16 months until you've been there that long. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's some things that you just aren't going to have mastery at for, a, for quite a while. But yeah, and I think, you know, moving from that questioning to that change, a lot of times, you know, I think people view the change agents as the leaders or the bosses or, um, you know, that level of, <laughs> of authority. But I think, I think it can really happen from anywhere. I think if, if you understand how to improve the organization and can explain it and, and you know, say, here's, here's the steps that I walked through to, to get to this conclusion, I think people are, are pretty open to hearing that. How would you react if, if somebody was like, hey, I think we should, we should do this differently? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it can happen from below. I, think, I definitely think it's e- obviously easier when you're in a, the higher up position. Um, I think a lot of times people place boundaries on themselves and so they think that not that i don't want want people just going off doing whatever but i think there's a little bit of people want to ask permission to make any small change and for the most part it's not uh illegal immoral or unethical for the most part your leadership is going to be okay with you implementing small changes within your scope of responsibility i think people are often hesitant to do that yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I think from from my perspective, what's interesting is in healthcare at least, uh, <laughs> people and leaders are are quite risk averse, and right. so so I would probably disagree with what you just said uh, in terms of my profession. You know, changes are discussed widely across the the whole group and organization before before they're signed off on and and implemented because you know it may not just impact our office, but it may impact a whole group of nurses or doctors. Um, and, and they may not be nearly as receptive to the change. Hmm. So I think, uh, I, so yeah, in your organization, you have, to, you have to socialize change. It's probably, that's probably generally a, an expectation across the military as well. That the military organization kind of drives a lot of, discussion and sign off on change before it can happen 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think I, I know the, the military and the government, especially in contracting, is pretty risk averse too, but, but healthcare is even more so. Yeah, huh. But yeah, so I mean, it's, um, but still, it's one of those things where people are, are receptive to change. It may take a while, but they're, they're receptive to change. If you can, if you can walk it down the right line of decision makers and, and explain it in a way where you can show clearly the benefits and that you've thought through any unintended consequences much further down the line. Yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk just about some of your favorite moves and favorite transitions. Um, and, and why they were your favorites. All right, so I'll start off. The The first one, and we've talked about this at length on the podcast, was just the change of moving to Turkey. So uh, I had I kind of had no idea what to expect. I was thinking it was going to be deserty, and I wasn't sure how friendly people were going to be. But, you know, as I've said many times, once I got there, the landscape was really interesting. We were in the kind of the agriculture area of Turkey, and uh and it was just an adventure every time you left the base exploring around finding out how to do new things so i think that one was one of my favorites because i didn't know what to expect and it was uh exceeded my expectations greatly in terms of being interesting and the friendliness of the people and just being a fun time and then my other one i wanted to mention was the change of going from a buyer to a contracting officer so as a buyer, you're the one that preps all of the documentation and the contracting officer is the one that actually signs the contract. And my experience as a buyer, my contracting officer who was working with the different people that we're buying stuff for, didn't have a great relationship. They'd been in that position for a long time and kind of the relationship with that, the program office or the people that, um, that needed the thing purchased wasn't so great. And when I went from being a buyer, I got to a new program as the contracting officer and I was able to kind of shape that relationship uh, in a way that we were, we were working as a team versus always fighting each other. And so that change to me was being able to shape the relationship with the people I'm working with a little bit better was a, a big one for me and one that I really enjoyed. So how many of your positions have been, you know, kind of moving up the ladder and how many of your position changes have been where you're doing the same job just in a different office. I, I think I've never, I've, well, in my very first base when I switched, when I was rotating around the sections, I would say I was in the same position in a different office. But I think every other job since then has been not necessarily greater responsibility, but into a different job with different responsibility. Interesting. So you really, you have yet to have like a like for like move. I, th I don't think so. I'm trying to think of one. I, I mean, I guess the, the job in Al-Udeed and this job are, are similar, but they're not the same really. I mean, yeah. on, on paper, they're kind of similar, but potentially if you had a, a if I like, those are similar positions, I guess, but bigger responsibility. And so, you know, I was kind of thinking of this, I guess it's kind of a dichotomy of, you know, some positions are this linear change where, you know, you're walking up this chain. Um, and for me, I've had, I, I guess what my last move was just straight lateral change mm -hmm. where it's the same products, basically many of the sim very similar contracts 
um, like different group of people, but you know, the same types of people. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting was it was the easiest move, but I also feel like I, I have not gotten as much out of it as, as when I'm, when I was changing positions or changing roles or changing what my responsibility was over. Yeah. There's probably less opportunity for growth or for learning new things. If a certain aspect of it is the same. And I mean, the nice part is you get to that level of mastery much quicker and you can, you can focus on harder things much faster, but, but yeah, I think you're right. I think there, there just is less, less growth to be had and in, in a much <laughs> in that at least short term, I guess. I right. mean, I think, you know, once you get to the same level of mastery, there's, there's about the same opportunity, but yeah, there is, there's a certain, you know, feet to the fire aspect of learning in a completely new job that you know, you just kind of pour yourself into and get a lot out of at the same time. Yeah, I think if if you are in a position where you're trying to get extreme uh, depth of knowledge, then I think sometimes this, I guess, are you, the, the changes that I've had, are you considering those to be linear change? You know, I would say a decent number of mine are linear. The, my last one was just a very lateral. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I think if you're trying, if you do too many like complete changes, then it's a, you have a hard time really developing depth of knowledge. So in some ways, a lateral change can help you uh, continue to kind of get very deep in your knowledge and understanding about a certain position. Yeah, and I think from from my own perspective, it was important to get that depth of knowledge. So I, d- I don't have any regret about that at all. Yeah, I, um, and I wonder sometimes if... Uh, you, it's if you're in a position, it's kind of easy to get stagnant and you kind of stop learning after a certain point. And I wonder if that change, like the lateral change, would be just enough to kind of get you your interest sparked so that you can kind of continue digging deeper and uh, and learning. Yeah, I would I would agree with that completely. I think uh, you know, especially if I had been in the previous position, you know, four or five years. I was only there for two years, so it still was was fairly fresh and, and changing a lot. But, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if you had grown stagnant in that position and, and did a, did a lateral move, so it was just new people doing basically the same thing. I think that would, that would probably be enough to, to dive in. And and, I mean, especially from process wise, you, you still get into the process and no, no two offices do this, do everything. alike. So there's always room for growth in that department. So I think my two favorites were, you know, this Minneapolis to Nashville has been, you know, the simplest and probably the easiest, but the one that I really enjoyed was that Turkey to Boston move actually. Okay. Um, you know, both (laughs) quality of life change was, was pretty, pretty amazing too, but Mm -hmm. you know, going from kind of wild West to very buttoned up contracting, um, it was so different and, you know, so organized that I feel like I learned a ton the first six months I was in Boston, just about how the budget process works, how, you know, Congress interacts with large contracts, how, you know, a huge legacy contract is such a huge wheel that is difficult to turn and change. And, you know, you're just constantly kind of molding parts of it off, but you can't really change the overall trajectory of it because it's so huge. Right. So I don't know. I I really enjoyed that that transition just because it was such a completely different world. Yeah, interesting. That's 
some people would uh i don't want to say reject that but become frustrated because basically you're you were intrigued by learning additional constraints that were being placed around you i guess those are challenges to overcome but uh that's interesting and i mean it it relates back a little bit to i'm fairly malleable professionally (laughs) (laughs) um and so being i agree if you were not adapted to change that could be really hard when you're like oh i'm used to contracts being sourced and completed in 35 days and shut closed out and you're going to those and the contract's been open for 20 years and it's going to take four to five years to do the next five-year extension you know you're gonna have to walk through i remember one day i walked through like four different legal offices just walking one contract by hand right um in the same day so what's so yeah go ahead go ahead I was just going to say, so what's funny is we also have a list of kind of our most challenging changes. And one that I listed is the change from Qatar to the Pentagon. And it's basically I experienced the exact same thing that you did. uh, And that it was like Qatar, I don't want to say it was a wild west, but there's the a lot of the uh, the rules and regulations don't apply because you're in a contingency environment. Mm -hmm. And so and you're just kind of out there making things happen and then when you get to the pentagon it's exactly what you described where uh you are working on big huge contracts that have been going on for 10 years and you really and you really get to see how uh constrained you are with like with the how congress kind of uh dictates how we do things and so uh that the challenge for me was going from being someone who's like working on individual contracts or like work getting the work done myself to someone at the Pentagon who was doing the reviewing and not necessarily actually generating any work but sure. it's similar in the uh, in that you you kind of have to learn from a different perspective yeah and i mean had you had you been in a systems office before that well so i so i was in a systems office in boston but this is working up at the Pentagon reviewing system systems contracts that came up there for approval yeah that would uh <laughs> that, would, so, that would grow tiresome for so sure. i had fun in a systems office because you're actually doing the work and pushing things forward mm-hmm. but then i had to really kind of uh i struggled a little bit with kind of getting joy out of my work when all i was doing was re- was reviewing things and i felt like for the most part uh like you want to make sure you catch anything major, but for the most part, like pushing things through quickly uh, and communicating with people was how I best like best served the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That w- I mean, that's hard when you go from something so tangible, <laughs> you know, and like you're actually helping people on a day-to-day basis to, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what what value are you adding to the overall picture? Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's always my challenge is just trying to figure out, you know, how can I personally add value to whatever position I'm in and, you know, whether that's process improvement, whether that's just me learning new skills, whether that's, you know, I remember in one office, I taught a fitness class in in the basement of our building (laughs) over the lunch hour. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you need to find ways to improve the situation for, know your employer or the u.s government or or wherever you kind of find yourself and there's there's always ways that you can do it um you know if you have if you have motivation and if you can figure out you know the right people to talk to right 
So do you have any other major thoughts on, on transitions or things you wanted to share? Um, I think the, I think we've hit the main points that, uh, that I wanted to cover. I think as we've talked through this, uh, a couple things were like kind of self-assessing where I need to work on or continue to think about our, my, here, my exercise routine. I haven't really got into a routine of exercise and that's partially just because my schedule is so full and I'm trying to figure out, uh, when the best time to fit that in. So I need to make sure I'm sticking to the fundamentals, uh, getting my regular exercise in. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I need to do is make sure I'm documenting kind of the, the documenting my transition so that I can kind of pass that off to the next person. And I, and I did get an excellent handoff from uh, the person that was uh, before me, but just a, a couple of different things that, that <laughs> could be in the, could be in the, the thing that she left me, but I just missed it. But um, just documenting, ways to make it easier for those to transition to your organization for sure and i mean different people have different things that they see are keys and so i mean even what you write down somebody else might come in and may think that it's incomplete so i mean i think i think there's always improvement especially especially for handoff i mean you're never going to be able to supply all the information in in the right format to the next person yeah yeah I think that's a good one. I think that going back to fundamentals, especially, you know, kind of the granular level um, that you're talking about where, you know, I need to get my own personal schedule down before I can really be successful in this job. I mean, I think just understanding that is really, that's a big takeaway and, and something that, you know, spending that time is totally worthwhile. Yep. So that that's all that I have. I appreciate your thoughts. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. My final thought is just that the turkey transition was insane for me. I had so much going on and had no idea what what I was doing professionally. But yeah. at the same time, it was it was exciting, and you know, <laughs> you learn a lot. You know, when you're thrown into <laughs> new situations, no matter how ill prepared you are, you know, if you can just continue to work and pour yourself into it you can get it done yeah oh yeah that, that. <laughs> Dude. hey what were the uh washers and dryers that you were trying to to buy that's funny i actually i i had a uh i had an interview the other day and i i actually shared that story at the interview they were like can you describe a time where uh you had to quickly pivot <laughs> 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 who is it remember you were trying to get a quote because the the washers and dryers that they sent us were all like outdated discontinued models yeah well, who was his name it was ken, ken something ken something like ken crawl yeah. or something like that yeah yeah that's exactly <laughs> how could i still remember a like a single guy's name from over 10 years ago but I, it, was, <laughs> it was so ridiculous it was so intense yeah having to having to purchase a half million dollars of appliances in <laughs> basically 36 hours yeah from 5,000 miles away that was that's still up there as one of my more intense contracting stories for sure yeah what time did we award that at maybe 1140 or something like that I think you pushed the button at 11:47, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. But you remember the computer glitch that actually put it through at 11:59. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh. Uh, I only remember that because, uh, and I apologize to the listeners as we're going to a lot of names of people you don't know. Sergeant Gomez was mad because he still was trying to execute one. Oh, of right. His. <laughs> right. And, and when you pushed the button and said 11:59, he he couldn't get his through. Yeah, I remember that. 
Hmm. All right. That's funny. Thanks for bringing that one up. That was, that was pretty awesome. Well, cool. Well, with that, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to head out. This has been Frank Boyce. And I'm Axel Clark. So if you're facing a transition, we recommend listen, learn and question. And uh, if you're not, make sure you're setting aside some time to prepare for that future transition. Have a great week, everyone. Everybody, I just want to remind you before we head out, you need to go watch the amazing documentary, Spiders Will Eat Your Face. You may be skeptical. You may sound say to yourself, I don't really like spiders, but I'm promising you, you will not be disappointed. Once you jump into the amazing history of pet tarantulas in America, you'll be hooked. Remember that Spiders Will Eat Your Face, available on Amazon Prime, Instant Watch, and Amazon.com. It's time so that I'm holding on, holding on, holding on to you It's time so that I'm holding on, holding on, holding on to you It's time so that I'm You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark.